hello, and welcome to You Want to Watch, a podcast where I'll let you know whether or not that movie you're considering watching is worth it. My name is Gabby, and in today's episode, we are going to be going over the movies that I really loved in 2019 that didn't make my top 10. If you haven't listened to my previous episode, I ranked my top 10 movies of 2019 from 10 going down to one. So give that a listen because in this episode, I'm only going to be talking about movies that I loved, but it didn't crack the top 10. And then we also will be going over some Golden Globe reactions because as I am recording this, I have just finished watching the Golden Globes, and I have some thoughts. So let's jump into it. So I have compiled a list of another 10 movies that I enjoyed in 2019. So at the end of this, you will have heard between last week's episode and this episode, you will have heard 20 movies of 2019 that I really enjoyed. So hopefully you find something interesting in there that you want to check out. I don't want this episode to be super long, especially not like last week's episode. So I am going to say the movies and then give just like a brief overview. And if there is some way that you can watch it as of now, I will let you know that. But I don't want to take up too much time talking about each one. So we'll see how well that goes. Also, I have no rhyme or reason for the order of these. I just wrote out movies as I thought of them, and I'm just going to go down my list. First up is Honey Boy, which was a Amazon original, so it will be available for streaming on Amazon Prime starting February 7th. It is directed by Alma Harel, and the screenplay was written by Shia LaBeouf, who also stars in the movie, and it is sort of about Shia LaBeouf's childhood. It's about this young 12-year-old boy named Otis, who is a television star, and he's dealing with this abusive relationship with his father, who's an alcoholic, who is his sole caretaker, but that relationship is not very good, and so he's, as a kid, is trying to handle being the breadwinner of the family, being the one who's supporting his father while not feeling supported by his father. And I really enjoyed this one. It definitely has a strong emotional background to it. Um, Just the dynamics between father and son and knowing that this is Shia LaBeouf's sort of life and the way he views his father and the way he grew up because then it switches Um, to like adult Otis, who's played by Lucas Hedges, who's really great in this movie. And knowing that it's partly what Shia LaBeouf went through and that he's sort of writing this as sort of a cathartic experience definitely kept that emotional part of the movie going from start to finish. And I just thought that was done really well. Like I grew up watching Even Stevens as a kid, and I followed like Shia LaBeouf's career throughout the years. And I know about his his own struggles with alcohol and sort of seeing like maybe the reasoning why and kind of just his experiences about how that shaped his life and his career seeing the behind the scenes look at it just made me appreciate Shia LaBeouf as an actor and as a person more and I really like when movies do that when you can kind of take everything you know about them into context with some more of truth and things and so that one was definitely worth checking out I think it didn't really get a a wide release in theaters so I'm glad that it will be out on Amazon Prime so that everyone who has 
access to Amazon Prime can watch it. And again, that will be out on February 7th. The next movie I want to talk about is Waves, and it is an A24 movie, and we all know how I feel about A24. And this one is about a black family living in Florida, and it's a father, a stepmother, and their two high school aged kids. And it's about their family life. And the big part of this movie is there's a big uh, tragic event that happens in this movie. And it's sort of about the buildup to that event and sort of the fallout and the repercussions and just what happens to this family after this big event that occurs in the movie and going into it I knew that that was the plot and it really builds up this sort of tension um when you don't you don't know what the event is and so the whole like hour you're just waiting for it to happen and there were like three different times where I was thinking it was going to be it like we were finally going to get this big tragic moment and it didn't happen. And then when it did, it was so shocking. I saw it in theaters. I went with my one of my really good friends and there was only one other person in the theater with us. And we all gasped at the same time when it happened because it just was so shocking and so out of nowhere. So I will say that if you're someone who doesn't like being super, like feeling super tense in a movie, maybe this one isn't for you or maybe watch it like knowing that you can pause it and walk away from it because it really was a very like tense viewing experience in the theater. One of the biggest draws to this movie is the cast. It has Sterling K. Brown, Kelvin Harrison Jr., who is really a standout to me. I have been watching a lot of the different things that he's in in the past month, and I'm definitely super excited to see what he does in the future um euphoria's alexa demi or demi still not sure how to say it because everyone always corrects me when i say it one way or the other uh but she if you've seen euphoria you know she's definitely going to be one of the great up-and-coming young actresses in hollywood right now and then lucas hedges also is in this movie i didn't mean to do those two back to back like that but Lucas Hedges is here and he's really good. Uh, And then Taylor Russell, I had never seen her in anything before. I don't think she has a big backlog of movies, but I definitely um, was impressed by her performance as well as with Renee Elise Goldsberry, who if you know anything about Hamilton, she played Angelica in the original production of Hamilton. And I am obsessed with that and I'm obsessed with her and I... I'm a big fan of seeing her act in other things. She was in Altered Carbon, that one TV show on Netflix that came out, I think, last year, maybe 2018. I'm not sure on the timeline on that, but I just everyone in this movie definitely pulls their weight and adds to the emotion of it. And I feel like they all really did feel like connected and close together. And that family element comes out strong from start to finish. And so I don't think this one is out for like rental or anything just yet. Um, The only information I can find about it is about around January 20th. But if I find any other information about it, I'll be sure to share that both on Twitter and Instagram because I want to make sure that you all know when this movie is out so you can give it a watch. Another movie I enjoyed this year was Jojo Rabbit, which was directed by Taika Waititi. And this is a satire movie about Nazi Germany and Hitler. And it's definitely, it's always 
kind of awkward to explain this movie because it sounds a bit weird to say you enjoyed a movie about Nazi Germany and Hitler, but it is what it is. The main plot of the movie follows this young boy, Jojo, who has an imaginary friend who happens to be Adolf Hitler, who is also played by Taika Waititi. And um, the boy finds out that his mother, who is played by Scarlett Johansson, is hiding a young Jewish girl in their house. And in, it's the middle of World War II. And so Jojo is sort of forced to confront his blind nationalism that he's had his entire life growing up, believing that Adolf Hitler is right and having Hitler as his imaginary friend jumping in to give him these like reminders about how he's supposed to think of Jewish people and how he's supposed to view the world. And one of the things I really enjoyed about this movie was the storytelling. I thought that Taika Waititi definitely had a vision of how he wanted this to play out from start to finish. And I think he executed that vision in a way that felt meaningful. And also, I had to include this movie in this list because there is one shot sort of towards the back end of the movie. And I, if I say exactly what it is, it'll give it away because it's a really big pivotal moment in the movie. But there is a shot on a pair of shoes towards the end of this movie that is was like the most devastating thing I saw in all of 2019 and if you have seen it or if you do give it a watch you will know exactly what I mean but like I just started crying and I cried for a good like five minutes after the scene was even over because it just hit me that hard and so it's still one of the scenes that I think about and the shots that I think about the most from anything I saw in 2019 so I felt like I couldn't leave it off of this list. And if you're interested in seeing Jojo Rabbit, it is available to rent on like Fandango or if anyone still does Redbox and Amazon and all those good places. So it is out there for you to watch if you are interested. This next one was one of my big surprise movies of 2019. I really didn't know anything about this other than one of my friends told me that it was really good and that I should give it a shot. And I'm so glad I did. And I'm talking about Ready or Not telling you this movie's great. This was the very first movie that I saw with my Regal Unlimited pass. Um, and I'm really glad that I got that pass because I don't think I would have spent money to watch this movie in theaters, not because I didn't have any interest in it or anything. It's just back before I had the Unlimited pass where I could pay one flat fee and go to the movies as many times as I want. I did have to be a little bit smarter about which movies I was trying to see in theaters. Now I can go see anything I want and it's great, but I'm so glad I was able to catch this in theaters because it is that great of a time. So Ready or Not is about a girl named Grace who is getting married. It starts on her wedding day and she gets married and the family that she's marrying into are very rich. They own like a board game type of company. And so they have a lot of money. And one of the things that anyone who marries into that family has to do is they have to play a game on their wedding night. And the game that she is forced to play is hide and seek. And she thinks it's just going to be this good, fun time. She's going to play hide and seek. And then officially she's part of the family when really that's not what happens at all. 
Samara Weaving plays Grace, and she's really good in these sort of horror comedy type of films. She was in something called The Babysitter, which I think is still on Netflix that you should also check out. But she's like really just good at playing both this fear and this sort of strength and also the comedic timing that comes along with the sort of vibe of this movie and Adam Brody also who is playing one of her new brother-in-laws he also has that really good ability to flip the seriousness of sort of this horror film along with the good comedic timing that you're not really expecting to happen sometimes and it's just a really fun ride I keep recommending this movie to people as soon as I had seen it like if anyone was asking what movie they should go see in theaters around this time I kept saying ready or not because I just had so much fun and if you are interested in that type of horror comedy movies and you want to have a good time I would highly suggest ready or not you can rent it on Amazon on Fandango now it's there for you to watch This next movie was actually the first movie I watched in 2019, and it is Wildlife, which was directed by Paul Dano, and this was his uh, director's like debut, the first movie he's ever directed, and it stars Carey Mulligan and Jake Gyllenhaal, and that already right there had me sold because I'm a big, huge fan of both Jake and Carrie as actors and so I I didn't really care what this movie was going to be about I was already in from jump right there this movie is based off of a book of the same name and it was actually the screenplay for the movie was co-written by Paul Dano and his wife Zoe Kazan who is an actress and so there's a lot of different parts of Hollywood going on in the makings of this movie and it is about Um, This 14-year-old boy named Joe, who is the only child of his parents, who are played by Carrie and Jake. And um, Jake plays a man named Jerry, who is a golf player. And Carrie plays his wife, Jeanette, who is just a housewife. And they live in this tiny town in Montana. And there is a huge forest fire that breaks out. And when Jerry loses his job at the golf course where he works, he feels this sort of like responsibility and the sense of purpose that he has to go volunteer to be a firefighter to help put out these fires. And so then the movie follows Joe and his mom as they go about life without the dad there. You see Joe as he's forced to sort of grow up really fast and you watch as he kind of learns that being an adult and being like a parent is more complicated than he previously realized. And I'm a sucker for like mom, dad, parent based movies. I mean, I talked about Marriage Story in another episode. I would still highly recommend that movie because that's just a really interesting dynamic to me. And I always find it to be movies that I like to watch. I watched it for the first time a full year ago and I still think about it on and off because it does still have this lasting effect on me. It is a more serious drama movie but if that is something that you are into I think it's on Showtime if you have a Showtime subscription and if not I think you can find it on Amazon. And if that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, I would recommend you checking it out. 
This next movie technically was released in 2018, but it was nowhere available for me to watch until 2019, which was very frustrating for me because as soon as I found out that the two leads in this movie were going to be together in a movie, I was constantly Googling the name of the movie, trying to figure out when I was going to be able to see it. And it is called Only You, and it stars Josh O'Connor and Laia Costa as the leads. I've been a big fan of Josh O'Connor ever since I saw God's Own Country, which is another movie that I would highly suggest you watch. It's on Netflix if you haven't seen it before. Um, and he also plays young Charles in season three of The Crown. So he's definitely getting his little parts and things here and there now. And I'm glad that people are realizing just how talented he is. And I've seen Laia Costa and a couple of other things. And I just think that she's really talented. So I was excited to see how these actors together were going to play in this movie because this movie is about these two people who meet on New Year's Eve and they immediately sort of jump into this relationship to kind of feel like love at first sight and now they're going on this sort of whirlwind romance but they also struggle trying to navigate um, just like love and a relationship and it sort of tracks them as uh, they decide that they want to have a baby really soon and they struggle to conceive. And so the rest of the movie sort of deals with that topic of them struggling through that while also still trying to learn about each other. Um, it definitely is a emotional, dramatic movie. If you haven't figured out by now, that's one of my favorite types of movies to watch. I like drama. I like emotion. I like crying. So anything that will get me in that sort of mood I'm always down for. My sister thinks I'm weird because I'll say I want to watch a movie because it makes me cry and she doesn't understand why I would want to cry at watching a movie like knowing that I'm going to cry why I would want to watch it but it's one of my favorite things to do. It's nice to let some emotions out. Again I'm a cancer. I like crying. I don't think this movie in particular like made me like physically cry but I did feel this sort of sadness as it went through the subject matter. So um, if that's something that doesn't turn you off from the movie, if you do want to see something that has like deep, a deep emotional connection between two actors, I would suggest this one. You can rent it on Amazon. The final two movies I'm going to talk about are both available on Netflix. And one of them is The King and the other is Dolomite Is My Name. The King stars Timothy Chalamet and Robert Pattinson, and it is a historical drama film based around Shakespeare's Henriad, which is about Henry V. And I, along with the rest of Film Twitter, love both Timothy Chalamet and Robert Pattinson, and so I was already into this movie before I knew where it was going to go. I didn't really need this movie to be good. I just knew I was going to like it anyway. In my opinion, everything that Timothy Chalamet is in is good to a certain extent just because he is in it. He's that talented. I mean, he was one of the youngest people ever nominated for a Oscar. So the, we all recognize his talent. We see it. He gives it to us and everything that he's in. And I'm really thankful for it. If you don't have any interest in Shakespeare, if you don't like movies about 
British royalty and of anything about like war of that nature, this might not be for you. But if you are interested in seeing Robert Pattinson play a French king and do it in a way that honestly blew everyone's mind, then I suggest checking this out. It's on Netflix. So if you already pay for Netflix, it's not like you're paying anything extra for this movie. And I'm sure you've seen it scrolling through trying to find something to watch. So just stop on it next time and give it a shot. The last movie I'm going to talk about is Dolomite is My Name. And this one stars Eddie Murphy along with an entire cast of incredible actors. I'm not going to name them off because it would just be too long. But this is a movie based on the true story of Rudy Ray Moore, who developed this character named Dolomite, and he became this sort of underground sensation. And then he made this movie that became this sort of like cult hit. And so Dolomite is My Name follows the story of how this movie came together and how Rudy Ray Moore came up with Dolomite and Eddie Murphy plays this lead character. And I just, the thing that kept coming to my mind as I was watching it is that everyone just seemed like they were having such a good time. Like even when the movie sort of felt a little slow to me and I was kind of like, oh, well, where are you going with this? I'm not sure what's happening right now. It didn't really matter because you could tell that everyone was having so much fun. And sometimes that's really all that I need to see in a movie. Like a lots of things that I watch are like more serious and they're more sort of about like dramatic things and they're more sad. And so it is fun to kind of break it up sometimes and just watch like actors who are incredibly talented enjoy what they're doing. This movie also has Keegan-Michael Key and Mike Epps and Craig Robinson. I mean, Wesley Snipes is there. Chris Rock comes in and has a part. So if any of those actors, if you're a fan of any of them, just give this movie a shot. I kind of waited on it longer than I should have. I should have watched it when it came out because now I'm kind of mad that I sat around for a few months not having seen it. So if it's something that you've been considering watching on Netflix, I would say make sure you make this your next watch. And now that I've already talked too much, let's move on to some quick Golden Globe reactions. I'm only going to touch on a few of the categories for the movies. I won't talk anything about any of the TV shows except to say that I am very glad to see the HFPA recognize Succession as its best drama TV series as they should. But I feel like there wasn't really any big surprise that happened. I mean, I think a lot of us expected Joaquin Phoenix to win Best Actor for Joker, and he did. So there wasn't any shock there for me. Laura Dern took Best Supporting Actress. And so I think for the most part in the acting categories, what happened, I expected to happen. The closest that I came to surprise was the winner of Best Drama Film, which was 1917. And the only reason I'm sort of surprised is one, I have not been able to see it yet, is not out in anywhere close to me to have seen it yet, but it will be um, this coming Thursday. I'm going to see it as opening wide, so it should be available. If you're listening to it in your area, you should be able to go see it too. And I've been really excited to see this movie for a long time because I kept getting um, the sort of like inside look at the 
movie before any time I'd go to see something at Regal. And the big draw of this movie is that it is a war movie that is filmed only in one shot, meaning that the flow of the camera never cuts. Like there's no cuts in the movie. It's like a straight you follow every character as they go through every single aspect of the set in the movie and the storytelling, which I think um, it's one of my favorite techniques that directors can use at any point in movies. And so I'm really excited to see it being used as the main technique in the entire movie. So I think maybe that sort of got the like the voters to sort of sway that way is just because it's something that isn't done a lot. But I mean, if it's a gimmick and it's something that gets people to vote for it, that's one thing. But I feel like this movie also is worthy of getting an award. I mean, obviously, I still haven't seen it, so I could watch it and totally hate it. But I feel sort of like it was justified in winning at the Golden Globes. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood took home the award for Best Musical or Comedy, which I don't want to get into how these movies are broken down into what it gets nominated for because I think that's a weird category to put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in but I think everyone did expect it to take that award and so I think just like the implications of both 1917 and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood winning big at the Golden Globes are going to be interesting for the Oscars because the Oscars does not break down the movies into categories like this it's just straight best film that's nominated and so obviously like both of these will not win again at the oscars like one of them or neither of them will so that will be interesting to keep an eye on going forward i was really glad to see parasite win best foreign language film um obviously that made my top 10 i really enjoyed that movie i wish that it kind of could get just nominated in the regular category I hate that it has to be qualified as like a foreign film because it's worthy of being put in the musical comedy category on its own and then still worthy of winning and beating out Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and all of the other nominees because I think it's that much better of a movie but that's okay it still won its award and I'll just have to accept that and keep going on. One interesting thing that happened was The Irishman didn't get a single award for anything it was nominated for, which I don't think I saw coming. I thought that they might squeeze out one for like best supporting acting or something, but they didn't get anything. Maybe maybe I, I knew what I was talking about when I said the movie was good, but it wasn't the greatest thing ever. I don't know. You, I don't know. You tell me. Was I right? Was I wrong? It didn't win any awards you tell me. But those are just my quick thoughts on what has transpired tonight. I just definitely am excited for Oscar nominations, which are coming out in a matter of like two weeks. Um, It's always a great time to start arguing on the internet over what should have been nominated, what shouldn't have been nominated, who's going to win, who's going to lose. So I'm excited for that. I think this year, um, I will have seen everything that's going to be nominated for Best Picture. Every year after the nominations come out, I make it a point to watch every single movie nominated in Best Picture because I like to feel right when I say which one should win. And I can only do that if I've seen them all because I can't say that one should win over the other if I haven't seen one. 
And usually I have about two or three that I still need to catch up on after the nominations come out. But I have a good feeling that when the 10 come out that I will have seen all of them. So that's kind of exciting. This new journey that I'm on to watch a whole bunch of movies that's keeping me sort of up to date with everything that people think is worthy of awards. But I'm going to stop talking. If you watch the Golden Globes and if you have any thoughts, I'd love to hear them. And anything that you've watched in 2019 that you really enjoyed that I didn't talk about, I would love to know because it's possible that I watched it and enjoyed it, but just didn't get to include it in either of these episodes or it's possible I watched it and I wasn't a big fan. (laughs) Joker, I'm looking at you. But that's all I have to say for this episode. Thanks for listening and be sure to catch the next one. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of You Wanna Watch. You can find me on Apple Podcast and Spotify, as well as on Twitter at YWWpod and Instagram at You Wanna Watch.